0: After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes?
1: A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later, we're on the search to get that question answered.
0: If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you.
1: We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa.
0: Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. You know, what really messes with my mind is the thought that in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you've got four grandparents just sitting in that bed for a long time. And the whole family is in poverty because the mom can't do anything except for care for them. And the kid is, you know, just a kid. Charlie's just a kid. You know, he can spare a little bit of money every once in a while to buy chocolate. That's it. That's all. That's all he's got. And then suddenly, as soon as he wins a golden ticket and he can go and do something, suddenly Grandpa Joe's there to stand up and put on his coat and move around and sing songs and do all this stuff. It's like, dude, that guy could have been helping. He could at least been stirring the cabbage or whatever (laughs) that the mom was doing, like from the bed. Right. So that way she could go out and I don't know, make a living or what. I don't know. It just blows my mind. But when I think about it, I think it's kind of the mom's fault.
1: Oh, where are we going with this? I haven't heard this thought yet.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, Grandpa Joe, you know, he's 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 clearly the villain in that movie. But, <laughs> but there's a point where empathy can completely take over and rule your life. And you can tell that the mom cares about these grandparents, but to a point where she's not She's actually enabling the problem Hmm. rather than making it like she could have said, listen, you guys can't move around, but you got arms. okay? you're going to do some stuff with your arms. (laughs) We have to make this family work. We're all starving to death. And I think a lot of organizations run into a similar problem where the leader of the organization starts empathy is a very important part of running an organization, but it starts to cause the organization to starve to death. The resources in that organization start to fade away. And rather than figuring out how to uh, bring empathy to the next level of actually having kindness to give somebody skill and give somebody purpose and invest in people so that way they can help with the organization. Empathy crosses a line and turns into apathy
1: hmm that's really good i did not know where you're going with that story and i totally agree with you on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) you should have seen your eyes there when i said i think it's the mom's fault you're like what where is
1: this going heresy (laughs) well it's so um accurate though i mean a lot of times and chances are in charlie and the chocolate factory the grandparents didn't start that way that probably wasn't the initial dynamic between everyone um, but over time, that's just kind of what it grew into. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, he could have just gotten up this entire time. And he chose not to. And it's on him, but it's also on her for not creating. So it's on everybody. It's everybody on everybody. Was everybody involved. Um, but we see this a lot with organizations when we're talking to people. And one, you can tell when empathy kind of takes over when they have their vision statement, which we talked about last week. Um, but what they're doing just gets so scattered because every time they go anywhere, they see someone with a need and they're not able to look at it and say, does this fit within what we're trying to do Um, or how does this fit in with what we're trying to do or should we be taking on this next project? Do we have the resources for it? Um, Not just the financial resources, but the people resources, the leadership resources. And so a lot of times we'll see organizations who the leaders have... (coughs) Empathy, which is good, but has been taken to such an extreme that they're able to maybe do some work in an area, but they're not actually able to help in that area. Like, I can give a certain amount of my time to a lot of different organizations, but if it's only 15 minutes here or 30 minutes here, and they're actually spending more time training me than I am actually helping because I'm trying to spread myself so thin that I'm not becoming great at anything... Am I really helping any of the organizations? No, I'm detracting and I'm sucking their resources um, because they're going to be extra helping me to get started and trying to invest in me and trying to get me involved. And I'm actually not helping any of them if I'm not truly vested. Um, And that can happen from an organizational standpoint, trying to help way too many causes, way too many people, way too much going on where you're giving something to a lot of people. But are you actually helping Not always. Just because you've given in a certain area or tried to do something doesn't mean that it's being effective long term. And as much as we like to say, but that's not apathy. Like there's a certain amount of apathy when you realize, you know what, I just don't care about holding firm to the vision that I had. I don't care about really making a difference. I care about feeling like I'm making a difference.
0: Ooh, That burns
1: that hurts. that hurts me. Sometimes I say stuff out loud on this and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no. But I mean, it's it's very, very tempting to go do what feels good next instead of doing what is good next..
0: Mm-hmm. Now,'ve we kind of mentioned empathy is a really important piece of leadership. You <laughs> have to be able to relate to people emotionally, see what's going on in their life, Uh, We've had conversations and podcast episodes where we talk about, like, how a lack of empathy can destroy an organization. But (laughs) Lisa's pointing at herself like she's had to learn empathy.
1: I've had to learn it.
0: But uh, today we're just focusing in on what happens when there's an overabundant amount. It's too much and you don't have any handles or or reins on the empathy.
1: Mm -hmm. If you're looking at this, um, sometimes you can say... How how can this look or how can it not look? Now When I say I have to learn empathy, I'm going to use a really practical example because I think some people either lean toward having way too much mm-hmm. um, or they lean toward everything being transactional. And they're like, yeah, I see the issue, but if you just take these three steps, you wouldn't be there. So I don't know why we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I don't have it, is <laughs> that I've had to learn how to cultivate my ability to meet someone there and actually show that I care because I do care. But the way that I care is by wanting to help them get out of the situation. And yeah. so a lot of times I'll just jump past it. But it's like if someone is going to a counselor. Ted and I have an awesome marriage counselor. But if we sat down one day and talked with her and said, hey, here's what we're working on. Here's what's going on. And she listened for an hour and then didn't give us any advice or any tools and just said, oh, my gosh, I really feel for you. Oh, my gosh, that is a thing. Oh, my gosh, Yeah. <laughs> and then we ended the call. I'd be like, what What did we just do? We just like, paid for that? <laughs> we just paid for her to empathize with us, and we are still in the same situation. That is right. not beneficial. Now, at the same time, if we went to her and said, all right, here's what we have going on. Here's what we're trying to figure out. And before we even finish talking... She assumed that she knew the issue. She assumed that we that she knew what was going on between us. And she assumed that she knew what the cause was. And she said, all right, here are four steps. Take these four things. See you later. Calls over in five minutes. And we're like, we had an hour scheduled. And she didn't even care enough about us to make sure these were the right four steps.
0: Right. And even if they were, they were the right four steps, you feel almost like... You feel like you don't matter in that in that yeah, kind of situation, Yeah, it feels very right?
1: transactional and like I'm not really a person. It's like right. you just want to be done talking to me. And so there's a certain level with counseling where we understand the willingness to listen, the willingness to understand, and then getting in there and giving the tools. Giving the and advice. And the next steps and that advice so that, you know, you care about them where they are, but you don't want them to stay where they are. You want to give them the tools to be able to move forward. The same thing is true in your nonprofit organizations. You have to be willing to have that empathy and to care about people and to meet them where they're at, while at the same time being willing to care enough about them that you don't join them where they are and allow them to stay there. Sometimes a nice thing to do is to just be like, you know, it's okay. It'll be fine. But the kind thing to do is to actually give them the steps to start moving forward, even if... Um, they might be resistant to it because they just want to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm let them talk. But also, it's both and.
0: <laughs> so what I think about when we're we're having this conversation about how to empathize without letting it rule you. Um, I think about our conversation that we had last week about vision. You have things in your organization that are guardrails to help empathy not take over in your organization. Your vision statement and your vision is actually one of those things. Um, When you think about organizations that are going and helping orphans, for example, in third world countries, there are a lot more needs than just the ones that are the ones that they're addressing, right? They might Mm -hmm. walk past a, a fully grown adult who is starving, but they have to say, no, I'm here to help the orphans. That their vision is actually a guardrail to help empathy, not rule them. So if you're somebody who has a lot of empathy, you're going to need to allow your vision statement to actually control your gut instincts a little bit more. Because if you're just making tiny little, like, just helping everybody all the time, I'm sorry, but you're not really helping anybody.
1: Mm -hmm. And, oh, you can go ahead. Keep going. All right. And this is something that really comes down to having that discipline. And being willing to be disciplined. Um, A lot of times as leaders of an organization, or maybe it's just you right now who's trying to get something started, you have to be willing to discipline yourself and to choose to do it. Being in charge doesn't mean you get to do all the things. In fact, the higher you get up in an organization, the more people that you have supporting it and the more people that you're trying to impact, you actually have less and less freedom to just go and do whatever you want. Because you have people who have bought into what you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so when we're saying don't let empathy control you, we're not saying don't care about all the other people. But you have to have the self-control to say, nope, that's not my lane. While also um, being willing to strategically partner with other organizations who can then help those people. That way you can both do what you're both envisioned to do. Mm -hmm. That you both have the vision for. While at the same time you're not over stretching yourself and not actually able to truly help the people that you um, that you're seeing. you can you know have people that you can partner with. and it's just such a crucial thing anytime that you're working for yourself or trying to get your organization going in a specific direction is that you have to lead by having discipline first and foremost um, And yeah, those guard rules are really, really, really important.
0: Yeah, I heard it said that if if you lack discipline, your future will find a way to discipline you. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to get disciplined either way. Um, And in the context of a nonprofit where if you lack discipline and you're just empathizing everywhere with no constraint, what that's going to end up looking like is you don't have the funding that you need because you're not crystal clear enough on what you're trying to accomplish. You're going to be way lacking in the resources because if you're empathizing everywhere it it's it's an insurmountable amount of resources you need to actually address all of those issues and those things will eventually catch up to you Mm -hmm. like it might not be right now maybe you've got that initial excitement and the thing that you said this is our vision is still paying off for people but when they see eventually that this is scattershot and they're just it's just basically hemorrhaging money into every possible cause that could exist, then it turns into a real problem.
1: Yeah. If we look at it from our flywheel, if you are scattershot with everything that you're doing, you really don't have the metrics or the stories Um, to be able to, you know, be able to keep that going so that you can get more people on board. Um, Because if you don't have the metrics, you can't measure what you're doing because you're doing so little, so many places. It's not to say the little doesn't matter, but if you're doing a little bit in a hundred different places, you just won't have the metrics. People show that that little bit made the difference, especially long term.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to see a pie graph that has a thousand slices. Oh, just like you don't want to go to a pizza and have them cut it into 50 slices. And now you're like, really? I get a tiny little 50, one fiftieth of a pizza.
1: Seriously, <laughs> and and
0: I mean, really, that's that's what it comes down to. It takes humility to recognize this is going to be better served by somebody else. How do I find out how to partner? Partnering, oh my gosh, collaboration between nonprofits is something that needs to happen so much more. Imagine a city where uh, there is an organization that is helping with orphans and then there's another organization that's helping with medical help and then there's another organization that's focusing on the adults and educating the adults teaching them English or whatever right like that whole community that city is going to become a hot spot of growth and health and success and probably bleed out into the surrounding areas in a really really good way to to help that whole region do better Mm mm-hmm and so often either either organization will go and just help one piece of it or they'll get they'll, they'll, their empathy will completely rule them and they'll try to help too much and they can't really do it all. Mm-hmm. They don't have the knowledge or the resources or the expertise to pull it off.
1: Yeah. Another area that empathy, I think, can sometimes rule you that we don't think about often um, is in the people that you're leading, There are times that, as a leader, when you have a volunteer um, or a volunteer leader under you, or maybe a staff member, um, who sometimes they will get in the weeds talking about something going on in their lives. And that's not to say it's not important, but sometimes the leader of the organization can become so empathetic toward that person that they're not actually taking the moment to care enough about them to help them figure out what's next and actually equip them to move forward. Um, Or it could be that. Maybe the volunteer has something kind of a passion project that they care about. And the leader of the organization is like, oh, man, I really understand what it feels to have something that you care about and want to get it off the ground and how it feels when you have to wait. And you know what? I have this organization. Maybe I'll just put some of my funding into the side project and let them work on their thing. Like, it sounds good in the moment, but if that doesn't line up with what your vision is, you could actually be hurting your organization as a whole. And not Mm -hmm. even realize it. I think we're doing something nice because we feel for the person who wants to, who is where we were 10 years ago. And we're like, maybe if I just help you out a little bit, you can skip a few steps. But we can end up doing it in a way that actually hinders everything else that we're doing and starts to kind of deteriorate our own organization from the inside out. Simply because we stepped away from what the vision is. Or Mm -hmm. we stepped away from whatever that thing is.
0: I think another way that empathy taking over plays out in a lot of organizations is when we get a skewed idea of what true empathy looks like like this is we've kind of had this conversation too but the difference between being nice and being kind Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when you need to make an adjustment in how somebody is acting within the organization whether it's a staff member or a volunteer maybe they're not performing at a level that is like listen we have to we have to be better than this Sometimes people will think, well, empathy is being nice to this person, you know, um, in in the context of uh, church ministry, we use the word like grace all the time, right? Like, oh, we're just going to have grace with this person. But like, is it really having grace with someone if you let them fail in front of everybody and suck at their life? No, (laughs) like real grace is not letting them stay in a mess, right? Real grace is meeting them where they're at giving them a hand and trying to help them move forward and move out of it same thing with empathy real empathy is meeting someone where they're at and saying like hey are you okay you know first address the person like the reason they might they they, they're bad at their job might be because they're just having a bad season in life Mm
1: -hmm. maybe their
0: dad has cancer you don't know about it because you're leading the organization you're not in the weeds all the time right So just addressing the person first and and saying like, hey, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? And then taking that next step and saying, how do we pull you, like, help you move forward through this? That's real empathy. The other one is like a fake, gross, icky version of it that doesn't actually help the person or help the organization. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's Charlie's mom giving Grandpa Joe cabbage stirring spoon was she cooking cabbage or was she doing laundry i think she was
1: i think she was doing laundry i think she
0: was doing the laundry they totally could have done the laundry
1: Ellie stirred it while it was boiling like yeah. there's stuff they could have helped with i <laughs> one of my favorite um things that we learned a long time ago that helped me a lot because so i have to be very conscious when i'm talking to someone not just to jump ahead to the thing especially because a lot of times they want to tell me their story and I just want to give them the answer, but that's not actually beneficial to them. The best thing is for me to listen to them and then have them come to their own conclusion and to their own answer. And sometimes for me, I have to figure out if they actually want help or if they want to stay in their situation. As much as we don't want to admit it, sometimes people want us to be empathetic for them or to them Um, because they are totally content where they are, and they just want someone to talk to. And at some point, we need to be able to figure out, is this someone who wants to stay here, or are they wanting to grow? And a long time ago, we were reading a book. I don't even remember the name of it, Um, but they had a part about calling the question. And the question was, what would you like to have happen next? And I've used this a lot with people, not necessarily the exact question, But when I am talking with someone and they're saying, this is going on and this is going on and this is going on, I'm sitting there going, yeah, I hear you. That's really tough. That's really, especially nonprofit leaders. And when we're talking to like, this is frustrating or this is hard or I'm not sure what to do here. It's like, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. What would you like to have happen next?
0: That has been so helpful for us in mm-hmm. so many areas in life. What would you like to have happen next is so good because... You've heard what they said. You've empathized with them. You met them on their level. And now you're helping them move to the next part, which is like a problem solving type of mindset. But it's not. You're not doing it in such a way that it feels like you don't care. Mm-hmm. Like you actually give them a chance to think through what. Oh, what do I want to have happen next? Because so many times people are venting. They're trying to just kind of like they're emoting, you know and when you ask that question it's a, it's such a caring way to move it into a solutions mindset and allows them to answer it and sometimes they say oh gosh i don't know and then that can give you an opportunity to say something like i have an idea mm-hmm. you know and then you can throw things out there but that uh that is a really 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 good tool calling the question saying Wow, that's really tough. or wow, this seems like a tough situation. What would you like to have happen next? Mm-hmm. That works up and down. Like if you're in the middle of an organization and your your leader is having a tough time and they're like, "Hey, we got to get this thing done." like this is uh, I'm just like so frazzled or whatever. Maybe they're you got a close relationship. This happens a lot in nonprofit organizations where like leadership and their, you know, subordinates, Have a close enough relationship where they kind of just talk about whatever, right? Like, if you're inside the organization, you're not the leader of the organization. Your leader might be venting to you. This is your opportunity to help them make some progress and just say, like, wow, yeah, that's really what would you like to have happen next? And sometimes that can pull them out of the funk that they're in and help them get back into a solutions mindset.
1: Part of this is reminding the person you're talking to that they have control over their lives, um, or at least over aspects of their lives.
0: They have agency.
1: Yeah, agency. That is huge. Um, but then secondly, it helps you know what the next step is. Um, I was talking to, or we were meeting with a leader one time, and they were just kind of down talking, and and we asked the question, and the answer that we got was, I think I want to be done. And we're like, oh, well, that's good to know, because my advice would have been like, well, here are the couple staff positions that you're missing. Here's who you need to bring in. This job description doesn't make sense, and they're not supporting you in the right way. Um, more systems and org structures. As soon as they said that, it was like, <clears throat> oh, okay. So we're moving into transition. This is
0: a different, a very different conversation this now. This <laughs> is
1: a very different conversation.
0: Yeah, and so th- it was uh, it was really, really Enlightening when we ask that question. And I think as a leader of an organization, the more you ask that question while you're <coughs> empathizing with volunteers, staff members, people above you, below you, around you, uh, you're gonna find that you can empathize with them and not let it rule over the whole conversation and have it just steamroll and have like walk out of there with like no solutions.
1: Yeah, it's also a great way to clarify very, very quickly. if someone is looking, um, for help and what type of help they're looking for. I've talked to people who are, you know, just trying to figure it out and they can't get it figured out. I'm like, what would you like to have happen next? They're like, you know what? I think I might need to go see my counselor again. I'm like, okay, great. We know what the next step is. I am not the next step.
0: Why don't you text me once you've called them and set up that appointment? Yeah, I'll hold you accountable to that. hmm Right? I'll care
1: about you. I'll follow up. I'll ask how it went. Um, but then I very clearly know I'm not the next person. If it's someone who I'm helping out with an organization and it's someone that we're trying to help and I'm like, what do you want to have happen next? They're like, you know what? I recognize that I need to get like this part of my life together. The organization helps. It's like, okay, great. Here is your next step. I can actually step in and direct them and kind of give them the couple next steps. The third option that happens, and if it happens, you need to find a way to be okay with it and set down the conversation. Because if they say, I don't know. I'm kind of good. I don't want to change. Um, I just want to keep talking about it. Or
0: <laughs> those make me want <laughs> to. Yeah, oh, it's really <laughs> really hard.
1: Um, or like I've talked to org leaders who they're struggling with maybe their resources, and I say, "Well, okay, I hear you. What do you want to have have happen next?" They're like, "Well, I just want a few people to come and give me money." I'm like, okay, do you want to make any changes? No, nope, I just think people should give me money. Okay. <laughs> Note to self, that's where we're at right now. Um, in those conversations where people are content to stay as they are and they just want the world around them to change, that can be very, very difficult, especially when you see how they could start, start making forward movement. Um, that's really hard for me when someone has that kind of attitude because I'm like, I just want to help you. You have so much potential. But you I can't can do, do so it much, for you. But I can't make you want it. And if someone doesn't want to change, that's just how it is. But the nice thing about it is the next time that you engage with that person, if they continue talking about the situation, it's very, very easy to listen for a couple minutes and kindly say, I remember you saying, I remember you talking about this. Man, I'm really sorry you're still in that situation. What do you want to have happen next? And you can actually call the question a little bit earlier, and it allows you to continue just asking that question until the day comes where they hit the point where they say, you know what? I think I need help. Yep. Because once that happens, it's game on. Yep. The minute someone realizes that they want to make a change, all the doors open. Um, but as leaders, we need to have an easy way to see where they're at and if they're at a place where they want to make the change. Because we cannot try and get someone to do something they don't want to do. It's like pushing a rope. Right. You will exhaust yourself in the process. Um, trying to help someone who. Yes, they do need a caring person and Mm -hmm. you can care for them, but you need to know at what point we can move past empathy and either very kindly close down the conversation while still allowing them to have access to us within reason um, or get them the next steps that they need.
0: Right. And that's why it's so important to have the resources around you and the connections and the networks around you of people that can help and are actually set up to be able to help these people so whatever your organization is doing you may have staff members or volunteers that kind of get stuck in ruts like that where you're like i'm not equipped to just to constantly try to push them like rope but you need to have those networks around you and sometimes those networks look like other employment or volunteer opportunities with different organizations Mm -hmm. that are not yours because they can't keep up with what you guys need to do and that can be one of the trickiest parts with empathy is recognizing when it's not my job to make this person feel good. Like I need, we need to make sure that as an organization, we're able to still function in order to have real empathy. I need to think about empathy on the whole, not just for the people that work with us, volunteer or serve or uh, are on staff with us, but also empathy for the people we're trying to help. And when those two lines cross and suddenly having empathy with the person you are leading starts to detract from how you can help the people that you're supposed to be helping according to your vision statement, that's when you gotta learn how to kindly and empathetically move them out of the organization and have something for them to go to next.
1: mm-hmm um. I'm going to give a quick example. It's not nonprofit related, but it'll kind of help you see what we're talking about. A while back, we took a trip, um, a random weekend getaway out of state. And I rented a place on Airbnb and it was a great experience. We went down, um, but when we got there, something was goofy with the door and um, and we got it all figured out, but in the process, we learned that if something goofy hadn't happened, the place that we were renting wasn't really as secure as we thought it would be. And we were staying there with our kids. And it all ended up fine. It was really secure while we were there, um, but it was just kind of a goofy situation. And, you know, Airbnb, you write a review. And what's hard, it was hard for me, and I was talking tight about this, because I'm someone who, when I have an issue, I like to handle it privately. I like to go to the person and say, hey, this is an issue. Um, I'm not someone to post online first. I'm like, let's go see if we can get it taken care of. And if it resolves, then I'll post something that's like, hey, we had a slight issue, but they were fantastic to work with. But this was one of those things where I said, I feel like I'm not being kind because I'm posting about the issue. I said, but... I have to be kind to every single family with kids who might be staying there, who think it's secure, but it's not really as safe as I would be comfortable with or that I was comfortable with as a mom. And so it was this weird situation where in the moment it didn't feel kind to do, but I had to choose, am I going to handle this privately and maybe it doesn't get fixed because I can't check in to make sure the issue got fixed. Or am I going to address this to the to this massive other group of people? <laughs> like all of these people? And if they fix it, they can always comment under the review. Here's what we did to address the situation, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like you're probably listening and going, yeah, I'd probably write the review too. If something's not safe or secure, I'm going to want everyone to know because I don't want to see a news report where someone stayed at this place and something happened to one of their kids, I would feel terrible, like terrible. Mm -hmm. In our organizations, though, a lot of times we'll look at one person, and yes, every single person matters, but we'll look at one of our volunteers who wants to go off one direction, have so much empathy for them that we don't even see that we're hurting all the people that we're actually called to help because we don't want to upset one person who has been with us for a couple of years. And it can be really, really hard to see. Sometimes you need an outside opinion to just call the question be like, but what do you want to have happen next? Do you want to adjust your entire vision away from all the people that you feel like you're supposed to be helping in order to help this one person get their thing off the ground? Or is it maybe just not the right time or place or position for the one volunteer so that you can continue to do the work that you're doing? Sometimes kindness There isn't always a way to be nice nice to every person involved, but there is a way to be kind to every person involved. And sometimes the kind thing to do is to realize that not everyone who says they want help actually wants help and allowing those conversations to happen because it's kind to let them know that you're not looking to just enable people to stay where they are, but you are happy to help them when they are ready. And sometimes the kind thing to do is to find the people within your organization who are constantly unhappy with the direction that your organization is going and calling the question, just saying, what do you want to have happen next? Is this the right fit for you? Having too much empathy and trying to deal with kindness, it's a a fine line and a fine balance. At the end of the day, you might not feel like the nice person, but that doesn't mean that you didn't do the right thing. So... If you're dealing with a situation like that at all or have questions about this because there are so many moving parts in an organization, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at office at legacybuildersintl.com.